and it looks different in different seasons of marriage, right? Newlyweds, those getting married in their you know, young 20s, what their sexual intimacy looks like can look very different than a couple that's been married 40 or 50 years. It doesn't mean the sexual intimacy is any less important, it just means it changes over the time of a marriage. But you can still have great sexual intimacy, you're just gonna redefine it for every season, ages and stages that you're in. Hello everyone, I'm Denise Gorant. Welcome to Bite Your Tongue, the podcast. Thanks for joining me for another conversation about the ins and outs of parenting adult children. Your diapering days are over. Now it's time to consider when to bite your tongue. So let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Bite Your Tongue, the podcast. Today we're talking about sex, S-E-X. That's right. We've talked about money, but today it's sex. And we're talking about us, not our adult children. What happens to us and our relationships and marriages once our adult children are gone and on their own? So this is a tough topic, not one I was sure I could handle on my own. So today, joining me from behind the scenes is Connie Fisher. Connie typically does all of our tech work, but I thought she could support me on this episode. Welcome, Connie. Oh, thanks, Denise. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, normally I don't get to hear the interviews until they're ready for editing, so this will be fun. I'm excited to be here and learn more about this topic. I have 30 years of marriage under my belt, and Denise, you've got more than that. That's for sure. All ears. So today we are welcoming Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo. They are the hosts of the number one marriage podcast on Apple called one Extraordinary Marriage. I'm going to let them tell you more about themselves, and then we'll get started. Fingers crossed, Denise, we'll get through this one without getting embarrassed. Absolutely. So welcome, Tony and Alisa. Can you tell us a bit about yourselves? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having us. We're honored to be part of the show today. Tony and I are just on the cusp of 25 years married. Our anniversary is about a month from now. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. We, I would love to say it's all been rainbows and unicorns, but it hasn't. Um, we've had a lot of struggles like any couple married multiple decades. And yet we made a commitment a long time ago that divorce was not going to be an option for us. So we have spent the last decade plus researching marriage and going in depth on into topics like sex that we're talking about today to really equip couples to have an extraordinary marriage. So let's get started. The kids are gone. Mm -hmm. It's just the two of us. And so many people seem to disconnect or even divorce in this later stage of life when the kids are gone and they're no longer working together as parents. I know on your podcast, One Extraordinary Marriage, and certainly all over the website, um, you help many couples, whatever their age, reignite the intimacy and meaning in their relationships. Today, we want to address our target audience, empty nest couples. I love your six pillars of intimacy, and I want you to share some of those pillars and how can we can relate it to this audience. There are certainly new struggles that develop with this age group. I mean, medical things can come into play. Lots of different things can come into play. So there's a number of questions we have, um, but I want you to sort of start out on if a couple is struggling and, you know, they're in their 60s and sex isn't what it used to be, where do they start? 
Well, first, I want to say we actually know quite a number of couples in the one family, and that's what we call our audience, who are having great sex lives well into 30, 40 plus years of marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not one of those things, as a wife told me yesterday, she goes, doesn't sex stop with menopause? And I said, not at all. Not at all. You may have to get creative. We may have to start talking about lubricants and things like that. Um, You mentioned medical issues. We know Mm -hmm. one couple that... um, joined us probably around episode 100, Mm -hmm. started listening. And, you know, here's a couple that hadn't had sex really very much for years because of medical conditions that even kept them from being able to sleep in the same bedroom because the husband couldn't navigate the stairs. And as he started hearing us talk about sex and he started saying, wait a minute, what can I do? How can Mm -hmm. we figure this out? He actually started researching wedges and cushions that he could use to prop himself up so that he could be comfortable in a position because he was used to sleeping in the recliner. And they actually transformed their sex life well into their 70s. Wow. So I noticed, I want you to keep going, but I I might as well put this in now. I noticed on your website, you have sort of a pillow or some sort of prop. Is that to help with your sex life as you get older? Uh, it's great at any point in time in your sex life, no matter what age you are. But yes, that that is the flip ramp, uh, the liberator flip ramp. And that is used to help you if, you know, like for this one couple specifically, um, he was having a hip issue and then actually subsequently yeah. had a hip, had hip surgery. And so the wedge ended up helping him navigate how he could position his body. But yeah, things like that, a wedge, um, the flip ramp, absolutely are helpful. Okay, so I interrupted you. I apologize. And you were on a great track, Elisa. Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, we know that when a couple goes through that empty nest phase, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, you take the baby off to college, Mm -hmm. you're, you're driving home and you're looking at each other and you're thinking, what in the world do we have in common? And there's that natural grieving process that happens when when these children who have been larger than life and they take up a heck of a lot of space and they and their friends are super lousy. You have all this noise. You have all this space being taken up. You have your refrigerator being empty on a daily basis, the laundry you know, overflowing because they've just got so many clothes. And then all of a sudden that just abruptly stops. And they actually, there's a term for it. It's called gray divorce. It's this this divorce phenomenon that's happening in the 20s and 30-year marriage range um, where couples aren't equipped to rediscover themselves mm-hmm. after the loss of these you know, adult children leaving their home. And so you get into a place where it can feel very, um, very isolating and very lonely. And couples actually have to, you know, in a lot of respects, go back to the basics. How did the two of you fall in love in the first place? Well, for most couples, it was spending time together, right? It was the dates. But also, as, you, as you're together for so long, conversations might become mundane. You know, you used mm-hmm. to talk about the kids. Now it's surface things. All of that has to develop in order to also improve your sex life or keep your sex life going. 100%. I mean, we we wrote a book, Connect Like You Did When You First Met, 101 uh, Proven Questions for Couples. And the whole premise behind that book is sometimes we can get stuck in, hey, what do you want to have for dinner? Or um, did you pay the mortgage bill? And 
we can lose sight of the fact that our spouse is a living, changing human being, that they still have dreams, they still have desires. It doesn't matter if it's been, you know, 30 years, there are still things that they want to accomplish in life. But if we're only talking about what's for dinner and, you know, don't forget to mow the lawn, we're not getting into that place. And sometimes we just need the prompt coming in the form of, you know, a, a book on questions, or um, there are great cards that have all different kinds of questions where you can just get there and say, you know what, let's just do one or two of these. Cause I want to get to know you again. I want to know who you are. You know, we've had all of this life experience, raising children, going through all of the different seasons from, you know, infancy to launching them out into the world. I want to know who you are now. And I want to fall in love with the person that you are now. And, and the inclination is to go, we don't need this. We've been together for 20, 30 years. Why do we need this? In all, in all honesty, the way to look at this is these are tools in your toolbox. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many years you've been married. You can always add new tools to your toolbox. I'm a son of a plumber and a general contractor. And my dad had a lot of tools in his toolbox. And we would use different tools at different times to get the job done. In our marriage, that's the same thing. What tools can we add now that allow us to have the extraordinary marriage we desire? And we may use them for a season. We may use them for a little bit. But are we willing to go into our toolbox, pull some new things out so that way we can begin to engage one another? I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I and love I, that. Yeah. yeah, and I also think it would work when I have a situation in my own marriage where I'm more talkative than my husband. Mm-hmm. He thinks, you know, my questions are a little crazy, but if we did this together, I'd have to get him to agree to it. I think it could be really great. So what other tools do you got in that box? (laughs) One of them them that Elisa and I love is it's called our walk and talks. This is getting out of the home. So, so many of us will have these conversations around dinner, in front of the TV, in our bedroom, and really it can stifle the conversation because it's the same thing the same way. And years ago, Lisa and I started doing these things just called walk and talks. Um, Some of those in the one family, they call them drive and dives. They'll go for a drive. Others have done uh, sip and share. So they'll just, you know, they'll sit down at a coffee shop or some other place and they're just sharing, but it's getting out and moving, getting away from your normal everyday, like we're in the house And this is what happens in the house. For Elise and I, we live here in San Diego. So we'll head out to the beach and half an hour, 45 minute walk up and down the beach. We're moving, we're chatting. If we're even in our neighborhood, we step out out of the door. Again, it's another tool that's in our toolbox that we can use um, at different times. Sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's every other day. Sometimes it, it happens a little less frequently. And Denise, I want to say one thing, you know, you talked about the fact that you tend to be a little bit more chatty than your husband and, you know, doing something like a walk and talk. um, I've seen this not only with Tony, but also with my children as they've gotten older, the dynamic shifts when the two of you are not sitting face to face, Mm -hmm. right? We can, you know, as Tony says, you know, whenever we're at a conference, he's like, Elisa's got this very distinct mom eye that sometimes comes out in conversation. And I do, and I can be, apparently I can be very intimidating face to face. Um, (laughs) 
But when we're side by side and our bodies are moving, it allows, especially for those that maybe don't need to use as many words, um, it allows them to just be comfortable in the movement. Mm -hmm. So there's something else going on. So it's not just this singular focus on the conversation, but rather the conversation is happening within the context of an activity. And it can often be easier to get a spouse who doesn't talk as much to engage in conversation if there is something else that's being done concurrently. That makes sense. Let me ask you one more thing, and then I want Connie to pop in here with some of her questions. You're starting to get closer. You're doing some of these things. We'd love to hear more of your tools, but we need to talk openly about the intimacy struggles. And I yeah. think some couples don't even address them. Um, I know so many, and I think Connie can agree with me. We see this so much where, you know, you reach a certain age, the dad falls asleep downstairs on the couch watching TV, mm -hmm. mom goes to bed, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't even have that pillow talk intimacy anymore. Um, they don't talk about sex and they don't talk about finance. And those are two things it seems that they should be talking about a lot. Absolutely. One is breaking free of this idea that sex and finances are not something to be talked about right? Most of us grew up in homes where we never saw our parents talk about sexual intimacy. We probably didn't even know if they were having it and definitely didn't want to think about it, right? We didn't like, want to know for sure. <laughs> right. And to the same regard, the same thing happened with finances, right? Like there was usually, you know, one parent or the other handled the finances, but it never really got talked about. And mm -hmm. so then we find ourselves married, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, and these things are happening to our bodies, to our finances. And we feel very ill-equipped to even be able to open our mouths and say, hey, we might need to have a conversation about this. Something's going on with me. Something's going on with us. And that's really, and that's why, you know, the two of you doing this show today is so important because podcasts have really become a tool for couples to say, hey, I heard this show. Would you listen to it with me? Because it just, it really struck a chord with me. And I just kind of want to get your feedback. And it can be a very soft approach right. instead of saying, we need to have a talk about our sex life. And everybody turns bright red and clams up and says, oh, I'm, I'm going out to the garage. I, I got to wash the, something. And one of the areas that we've been truly blessed with the one family, Elise and I have been pod podcasting for since January of 2010. Wow. And we have shared the ups and downs in our life with our sexual intimacy, with our financial intimacy. And so, so many couples, no matter again, how old they are, how long they've been married, they can jump in and they can hear us talking about a topic that they've never heard before or they know about, but nobody's ever really talked to them about it. And here we can just talk about it openly, honestly, and transparently. And then what they can do is they can take that and they're like, well, Tony and Lisa talked about it. How about if we talk about it? What would, what would moaning look like in our marriage? What would doing a, a sex challenge look like in our marriage? You know, what would it look like if we actually discussed our finances together and they can use those episodes as a launching pad and not feel like, oh my gosh, we're the only people talking about this because they're not. You know, one of your um, pillars, I really like the re recreational intimacy. And it's kind of like what you were talking about, taking a walk together and talking. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, my husband and I, we like to golf together. And I'm so glad that we have that. So anyway, yeah. I really love that. And we it's a nice time to connect. So can you talk a little bit more about recreational in intimacy? Absolutely. And, and you hit it on the head, the recreational intimacy. It's, it's that pillar of intimacy that are the, the shared interests, the things that the two of you do together. And, you know, 
a lot of times in the child rearing years, we can get to a point where it's all about what the kids' activities are, right? Somebody's got practice, somebody's got lessons, somebody needs a ride to the high school, somebody needs a ride to a friend's, and it's all about what the kids are doing. And it's easy to lose sight of, well, what do what do we like to do, right? What what are the things that allow us to have those conversations? What are the things that put a smile on your face? What activities do you want to do you want to try that maybe we've never even considered trying because we were so busy raising the children? And so, you know, for a lot of couples and getting into this kind of trying to avoid the gray divorce and get back to having emotional and sexual intimacy, it's how are we going to spend time together? And what we often challenge couples to do is, you know, it's super simple. Get out a piece of paper, write down the numbers one to 10 on there. We're going to call it a top 10 list. Pick a topic, right? Like date ideas under, you know, $50 or Saturday daytime date ideas. And just put it at the top so you both are, you know, comparing apples to apples. And then each one of you go off, you know, to a different part of the house and just write down ideas that you would love to do. I love that. And, and what happens is one, it gets our creative juices flowing again, right? What, what are those things? What, what do I, what would I do on a Saturday if we had all day? Cause we do now that we're empty nesters, right? What, I, maybe I want to go apple picking. Maybe I want to go paddle boarding. Maybe I just want to walk through a museum or try a new restaurant. So you're making your list. Your spouse is making their list. And then- the beauty of this is when the lists are done, you swap lists. So what I tell spouses all the time, I'm like, look, husbands, I just gave you a winning list of ideas about your wife. I gave you the cheat sheet, right? And I say the same thing to, to the husband, to the wives and the husband. So they both have these the answer key to their spouse. And then I say, go and plan a date, take turns planning dates based on what your spouse wants to do. And it brings the anticipation and the excitement back because a lot of reasons why couples won't go on dates after so many years is they're like either A, we do the same thing every single time and there's no variety. So why do it? Or the other thing that I'll hear um, as I'm coaching folks will be, well, I don't know. I don't know what she likes anymore or I don't know what he'd want to do. If we start with, well, what would you want to do? Now we get rid of that answer and you can actually just go execute it and have fun in the execution of the idea. That's a great idea. So on your pillars, the one physical intimacy is one. So I guess I want to know there's six pillars. Mm -hmm. What if, I mean, how important is the physical? What if everything else is on track, but they don't have sex? You know, what's that like for a couple or... Because I sort of feel like sometimes sex is what brings people together in a loving relationship. Can it exist without it? Well, first, let me let me identify all six because okay. I'm sure some of the listeners are probably like, okay, they're, they're sort of, they mentioned recreational. Sorry. They, they, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Let's just name them so everybody's got them. So the, the six pillars are emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, recreational, and sexual. And we do separate the physical and the sexual intimacy. And that's very intentional. Oh, okay. That's right. Because you can hug and kiss, but maybe not have sexual intimacy. Exactly. 100%. Right. Okay. 100%. And the truth of the matter is, is that you want to have strength in each one of those six pillars. And it looks different in different seasons of marriage, right? Newlyweds, those getting married in their, you know, young 20s, what their sexual intimacy looks like can look very different than a couple that's been married 40 or 50 years. It doesn't mean the sexual intimacy is any less important. It just means it changes over the time of a marriage. But you can still have great sexual intimacy. You're just going to redefine it for every season, ages and stages that you're in. How does a couple do that? How do they redefine what their sexual intimacy? 
Because I think every couple in their 60s and 70s looks back to those early years and wonders why I can't have that again. Well, one, one our bodies are getting older. Right. And that's yeah. just, a, that's just a, a fact of life. And I think we need to come to terms with that. Um, two books that we recommend to all our couples um, that they read is The Penis Book and The Vagina Bible. Oh my well, God. Are those yeah. books? Are those really books? They yeah. are really oh, books yeah. and they're both written by physicians. Oh yeah. The penis book and the vagina Bible. And yep. we're on books. Tell me that other one that you wrote about the questions. Oh, connect like you did when you first met. Connect like you did. Cause I'm writing these down. So I make sure to put these in our notes for listeners. Sure thing. Tell us about the penis book and the vi- vagina Bible. <laughs> right. Because here's the thing. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, you you haven't read. You don't even you don't even know what your own body is doing. Right. And so to expect your spouse to know what's happening, I mean that's that's a lot of expectation put on your spouse. And so what Elise and I began to do is just research this stuff more. Read, get get in tune, understand what's going on. Elise and I, as she mentioned, we're we're going to be married almost twenty five years. The sex life that we had when we first got married in our 20s to where we are now has changed. And part of it's because my body is changing. And I've had to address this with Elisa. Mm -hmm. Testosterone has decreased. Um, I don't get an erection just looking at her like I used to when we were younger. But it's having these open and honest and transparent conversations and understanding what's happening in our bodies that allow us to, to engage in our sexual intimacy as we grow older, as we have, you know, as the kids leave to still set up expectations that we desire for our marriage. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really getting into this place. You know, I think I often tell the couples that I'm coaching, you know, your spouse is the best form of sex ed that you'll ever have. Um, We all might've gotten a page or two in a health book somewhere, you know, a million years ago, but getting into this place of saying, wait a minute, who, who are we now? right? What, what can we do? You know, so many couples think that, you know, they'll get to a point where, you know, maybe, you know, a woman going through menopause, there's, you hear people talk about vaginal dryness, right? We actually, like, I'm, I'm so opposed to any woman having vaginal dryness that I actually give lubricant to brides as a wedding gift because I want them to have the the knowledge literally from their wedding day on through for all of their years of marriage that it is okay to use lubricant. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of your body not performing. It's just every once in a while in the natural cycle of a woman after menopause, things like that, vaginal dryness is a real thing. Well, you have a lubricant on your website. Is it because you're, is this, you know, you never know what to think of these things that on Instagram and social media, are you getting paid to promote it? Or is this a lubricant you think is really great? We do not get paid to promote Uberlube. It is okay. actually, like this, this is, this is the one, like literally we, we travel with this. I have one bottle on my nightstand when we even get a little bit low, Tony's like, here's another bottle. We're not gonna, like we're not. Okay. I just want to have sure because I think every time I go to any social media, everyone's telling me to buy something and I'm never sure if it's real or not. No, no, for, a great for, question. Uh, and it's a great question. And and again, we've been around and doing this for so long. Elisa and I really realized that what are the things that we use? Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes around sexual intimacy, if it works for us, then we're going to talk about it. If it doesn't, then we won't. And it, for us, it's just because we really do value that 
we value one, the one family and those who, who listen to us, but also we want to be able to stand up and at any time if we're at a, we're on a podcast doing a conference or doing like a take action Thursday with, with the one family that we can be like, yeah, go grab it. Like Mm -hmm. this is what we use. And we've been talking about Uber Lube now for years. A long time. (laughs) We lovingly refer to it as the Cadillac of Lubes. Yes. Um, I know. I, I, I can't even see the two of you, but I know that there's like a lot of blushing going on right now. <laughs> I love. Which is great. <laughs> so I love it. Yes. I have a question. What, what about, you know, we spoke a second about physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, many times in a couple, one will be interested in wanting to have sex and the other one definitely won't. And the other one just wants to cuddle, wants to hold hands. Well, after a while, I would think the other person is going to get a little bit angry. They want to go a little bit further. And then how do you work that out in a relationship? You know, they want to be close, but they don't want to have sex. Right. And it's looking at the fact that we want to make sure that we are both taking care of ourselves and also taking care of our spouses within the marriage. And we recently did a show on rejection and we were specifically looking at all six pillars, because we know that rejection often happens a lot around physical and sexual intimacy. And one of the, one of the findings that I found in just some of the research that I was doing, even in preparing for that show is that rejection in any form travels the same neural pathways in our brains that pain does. And so it has that same impact on us, but rejection from our spouse, very specifically rejection in general, what that does is it leaves a lingering impact on our bodies. We can actually, as humans, we have the capability to recall the pain of rejection and almost relive it. I see this with coaching clients when they're talking about rejection. And so we want to get to a place as couples who profess our love to one another to say, is what I'm doing over time, is that, are you going to take that as I'm rejecting you? And if so, let's open the conversation to what we can do right? We know that the bodies change over, over a lifespan. So if sexual intercourse, let's say has gotten painful or it's difficult to, for, you know, the husband to maintain an erection. And so he actually doesn't want to engage in sexual intimacy. Let's talk about the other things that we can do sexually, because it doesn't, you know, from, from a sexual intimacy standpoint, it doesn't just have to be intercourse. You can get into how the two of you are touching each other. What does foreplay look like? Even if you're not going to sex, you can still engage in all of the touches and the kisses and the making out and all of that, that physical sexual touch that allows that to not just be a hard, no, I don't want this. But again, we have to get into those conversations. So I read an article recently about a couple that was, I think, maybe late 60s. I can't remember. I think it was in the New York Times who hadn't had sex for many, many, many years, but really wanted to reignite their sex life. Yeah. So now they've read that, let's say they've read the penis, what's it called? The penis book, the vagina diary. They've done the questions. They feel like they're getting closer to each other. How do they, you know, once they've stopped for a long time, they had a hard time even suggesting that, you know, what are the steps to get to it again? I would say in all honesty, when it... When we're, when we're, yeah, when we're talking like that, I mean, you, you got to get help too. Like you got to have a counselor, a therapist, maybe a marriage coach on your side. Um, I think too often we look at our marriage and we're like, oh, we'll just take care of it and we'll just make it make it work on our own. And and sometimes you got to take a step of faith and just go, I need to have a third person talking and helping us through this because 
Um, you know, when you're talking about years of not having sex, I mean, you're talking about a sexless marriage and, and there's a lot that's going to go, that's going on under the covers that, I mean, who knows what's going on? Is it, is it stress? Is it finances? Is it a loss of a job? Is it physical issue? I mean, there's so many things that could be going on that we honestly tell people, look, don't wait to the last minute, go get help. Even if it's a few sessions. So embarrassing particularly for men. I think women are glad to go get help. Many men won't do it, I hear. So I would actually challenge that notion. Um, Oh, really? And and the only reason, I only speak from personal experience because I've been coaching um, those in the one family for eight and a half, nine years now. And I actually have quite a few men that will reach out and apply for coaching. And, And I say that, and I think sometimes it's, you know, for me being a coach, there, there's a different perspective for men than going to a counselor. Like, so let's just, sometimes it's a matter of who we're working with that makes a difference to a man, right? Coach versus counselor, They're, just the names can conjure up different things. But also it's, you know, for a lot of men, it's finding someone who's going to work with them to on specific actions. Men I have found really want to know, okay, tell me what to do. Let's try it. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, I want a different strategy. And so when they find a professional to work with that will come alongside them and say, okay, this week, this is what you're going to try. They can be much more engaged in that process and even get to the point where they can share their feelings, where they can share what's going on because they understand that there's a process and we're not just talking through things over and over and over and over again. That makes perfect sense. Now, moving on a little bit. (laughs) Connie's getting out of the bedroom. Okay, okay, out of the bedroom. (laughs) Um, unless you want to discuss this in bed, which I guess would be great too. <laughs> financial intimacy. Yeah. What does that mean, yeah. I guess? Yeah. So financial intimacy is literally going to encompass everything from, you know, the monthly budget and how much we're spending on dinner on Friday night to what is your estate plan, right? What is that going to look like? Because as, as we step into this empty nester, we've been in this empty nester phase for a while. The reality is, is that, you know, there's one inevitability that awaits all of us, and that is we're all going to die. And so getting into this place of not just discussing how are we handling retirement and long-term medical care and what happens if one of us gets sick and the financial implications of that, you know, do we have all of our trust documents in place? Are we ready in the event that something happens to one of us for the other one to literally have kind of that turnkey packet? that says, I know exactly what the wishes were. I know exactly what what the arrangements are. I know the people to contact. And really, I mean, we walked this out with Tony's parents mm-hmm. um, four years ago when Tony's dad died. And his father had literally everything in place. Like he had taken the time to make sure everything was laid out, spelled out, literally down to the last letter. And so as hard as it was for Tony's mom to lose her husband of 43, Two, 40, 42 years 42 at that time, years at that time. Um, because he had taken all of those steps and put everything in place and they had discussed it. So let me be real clear here. It wasn't just that he had taken care of it. It was that she no, knew 45 years. She right. knew where everything was that whole, that level of financial intimacy there. Like she doesn't have to worry now because they had actually crafted that before he died. It was a gift that actually continues to give to her after his death. 
that, that's so important because I know so many situations, um, particularly in our parents' generation, the, the, the wife knew nothing that was going on. And I find that's happened even in my generation. Some women just don't want to know anything about the finances. And I say to them, well, what's going to happen if, you know, Dawn dies or, you know, whatever? What, what do you do? So I think that's really important. Anyways, we're going forward, though. I said the one thing I really don't want to miss is talking about your sex challenge. What exactly is that? I saw it on your website, and I want you to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so our seven days of sex challenge. That was a way for Elisa and I to really strengthen our sexual intimacy many, many years ago. And it was something that we started doing ourselves. Each year, we would put it on our calendar. For seven days, we'd have sex for seven days straight. Because we wanted to challenge ourselves. How old were you? Now we have done 14 different challenges. And our last one we did last year, I'm 48 right now, Lisa's 47. So we've done them. And, and don't don't take us. Yeah, don't take our word for it. Don't take us. I mean, we've had hundreds, thousands of people in the one family do it. The most recent one like blew my socks off because it was a couple who's been married 31 years, empty nesters. And they wrote in, the wife wrote in and said, you know what? We started a challenge and we just kept going. And she goes, today we just celebrated day 100. What? And it might draw <laughs> dropped. So did theirs. Yeah. Start breathing again, ladies. Start breathing. <laughs> day 100? No one was ever amidst all of this or no one had the flu or diarrhea. Or like to me, that's amazing. To me, that is absolutely amazing what can happen. Because people and couples specifically go, this is what we want to do. Elisa and I, we're, we're cool with seven days. Like we've done a 30-day 30, a, a 30 challenge a couple of times and we did one 60-day sex mm-hmm. challenge. So it's amazing what happens. And so we wrote that book specifically for couples who said it's not possible or it's possible, but what do I do? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do for seven days. I feel like we just do the same thing and it just get routine. And so we wrote the seven days of sex challenge to go, hey, here's how you would break up every day to make it exciting, new, engaging for one another. So you actually, when you come out of it, you look back and you go, that wasn't something we thought we could do or we thought we could do, but there were some hiccups and we were able to make it through together. And because of that, it's sort of like that. It's just a, it's a launch pad. It's a jumping off pad to go, you know what? We can do this. Mm-hmm. And so where else can we strengthen? What other pillar can we strengthen now? We did that. What, where are we going to go now? Financial intimacy, great. Recreational intimacy, great. What can we do there? I'm going to call you two the best relationship cheerleaders in the world. <laughs> you're going to be giving me such like you're jumping up and down saying, you yeah. can do it. You can do it. <laughs> well, and that's that's the beauty of the one family because we, we're privileged through our audience to be able to cultivate these stories. People share trust us and share their lives with us. And, and we've had the the honor and the privilege to walk alongside so many couples who have been married 30, 40, 50 years and said, you know what? We're not going to say the best days are behind us. We're not going to say, you know what? Our 20s or our 30s were the highlight of our marriage. We're not done yet. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to we're going to actually be yeah. proactive. We're not going to look at the golden years as, you know, a time that we just both sit in our individual rocking chairs and just rock into the sunset. <laughs> we're actually going to take this time that we have together just the two of us spending time with our kids, grandkids, but we're going to do it and we're going to we're going to be exceptional at it. We're going to be extraordinary. You two are just terrific. Oh, thank you. 
just a quick question. When you say, it, you know, after that seven days or in more 30 days, 100 days with you guys, <laughs> how, how does that change you? Does it, do you feel closer? How does that change your relationship? Having done 14 of them, some of them, <laughs> honestly, it was like, wow, we needed that reset. Mm-hmm. We needed that reset. There's been so much going on in our lives and we're running around and we've we've sort of put our marriage to the, to the wayside. And, and this week really just sort of put a reset and said, oh, wow, we need to pay attention more here. Mm-hmm. Like some of our pillars have some cracks in it and we need to address them. And I, I love those. There are others where we've done them, where we come out of it. And I'm like, wow, that wasn't what I expected. And yet, you know what? That's a wake up call too, because we can still address what we felt like was missing or where we felt like we, we, we weren't, we weren't doing what we said we were going to do or the expectations were off. And so we're constantly just tweaking and going, all right, well, that didn't work exactly the way we wanted. Let's just take a couple of days, digest it, go on a walk and talk and we'll, we'll figure it out the next time. We see marriage as something that is absolutely beautiful that we want to, for ourselves and for for others to go, you know what, that person you said I do to on your wedding day, you had so many dreams and expectations and, and a heart beating so fast you couldn't contain it. And that first kiss, we want you to have that until until. Your last breath. Your last breath. And I, and I was blessed to see that with my folks. I, I was blessed. And Elisa and I were both there when my dad took his last breath. And I remember just looking at dad and mom. And as dad just said, I love you for the last time. And my mom got to say, I love you for the last time. Oh you know what? Goodness. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. We only have, we got one opportunity to love on that person. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And sometimes we got to change our own mindset about who they are and what we are and all that sort of stuff. And it can happen. And we've seen it happen so many times that we are not going to stop cheerleading and encouraging folks. It's terrific. Yeah, I love that. And I've heard my whole life, you know, relationships take work, whether it be with your spouse, Mm -hmm. your child, your friends, and you have made it interesting and fun with being able to follow these pillars. I love that. We're coming to the end here. And Denise always asks for our guests to give two or three pieces of advice um, before we close. And I was wondering if you guys could do that for us. Just something that you want our listeners to take away. You could have said it before, but you once they finished listening, what are two or three things you just hope they take with you? I, I would say our two things are be intentional and take action. Mm-hmm. No matter what it may be, even if it's a small little thing like we were talking about, like that top 10 list, maybe it's a top five list for you guys or a top three list, be intentional, put it on your calendar and do it and then take action to do those things together. Yeah. Can I add two more? Yes. Buy that penis book. (laughs) (laughs) Buy the vagina Bible. Get that other book. The Connect like you did. Connecting and um, follow those pillars. This was really great. Elisa and Tony, thank you. It was a hard topic. I think Connie and I have to go home and look at our husbands in a completely different way now. <laughs> we really appreciate you joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. And I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. Oh. Appreciate it very much. Thank you both. Thank you for allowing us to be part of the show. We are honored to have spent this time with you. And again, thanks to our listeners for joining. It was also great having Connie with us. I loved having her point of view. 
Elisa and Tony offer so much if you want to put the fire back in your marriage. Please visit oneextraordinarymarriage.com. It's all there. You can find their podcast, their Six Pillars of Intimacy book, along with all their favorite products from the lubricants to the positioning books to great tools to get things happening. Just visit the website and get started. It will be worth it. So there you have another episode. Thanks again for joining us. Follow us on social media. Share episodes with your friends. That's what keeps us going. And once again, I'm asking listeners, if there's topics you want to explore with us or you have guest suggestions, we're all ears. Learn more about the podcast and listen to all our episodes by visiting BiteYourTonguePodcast.com. Thanks again. And remember, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue.